Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 21, What to Do About Missing Milestones. This episode is brought to you by Help Me Grow North Texas. Welcome to Mom Fashions. I am here with my good friend, Beth, and uh, we are going to talk about childhood milestones and maybe more about missing those milestones. Um, you know, there is a lot of talk in the news and like different parenting articles and things you read that really reiterate the notion that the first five years of the kiddo's life are super important, like developmentally, mentally, emotionally, but also kind of, you know, with their bodies, like there is a big change between like one years old and five, like a lot going on in that time span. You know, you get those little sheets from the pediatrician, you know, that tell you what they should and shouldn't be doing. Like, I remember particularly with my first one, having a lot of confusion and kind of some anxiety about, like, if she was hitting the milestones, like, she was a little bit delayed on rolling over. And I felt very concerned about that. How about you with your girls? How are you in the whole, like, you know, the books, the sheets, the articles? Like, what did you think about milestones? I I remember being so anxious every time I would go into the pediatrician's office and they would kind of go through the checklist with me. Like, is she doing this? Is she doing this? Um, one, I think I felt like it was like a report card on my parenting and then there's always that kind of like um is it enough so they would be like is she rolling over and I would be like well like she's going to one side does that count you know like it's just I think it was always just this level of being unsure of if I was doing enough or if she was you know keeping up well. And so I think it did just add a lot of worry, just trying to make sure that they're, you know, on track and they're getting what they need and that I was doing enough as a mom and that she was healthy and growing the way she should. Um, so yeah, I just, I remember a lot of anxiety being involved. With the first kid, I had the what to expect during the first yearbook. And I read it religiously, right? Monitored all the things. Like I said, kind of was concerned when she rolled over way outside of the range of normal. With my second, I never pulled the book out of the box or off the shelf. Or actually, I don't know where it is. Um, So, yeah, in, in the case of both children... Um, some things they did a little early, some things they did quote unquote right on time, and some things they did a little bit later. And with the second one, I just kind of had the approach that it will all 
work out in the wash. I was much more relaxed about milestones and those kinds of things by the time my second one came along. But but I had a bit of um, perspective because my oldest was practically four when she was born. So, you know, I'd kind of gone through those things and had a lot more mom friends and knew that there was a wide range of normal and okay, you know. What about you? Uh, I definitely between my first and my second, had some comparison um, simply because we always felt like my first was so, like, quick, especially verbally. Um, She was just, she was very verbose, like, from an early age. Um, And so when my second came along and it took her kind of like the normal amount of time to, um, to develop verbally, it was a that was when I was comparing them and thinking like, oh, is this different? Is this bad? Like, what's going on? Um, But by the third one, and honestly, probably because I was too tired at that point to really worry about it. Yeah. But yeah, by the third one, it was it was kind of like, you know, she's not going to go to college in uh, in diapers. And, you know, she's going to talk eventually because her sisters can't talk for her forever. So It's funny even how um, when comparing them, the things that you're concerned might be delays are are sometimes just personality traits because my middle child is an extreme extrovert. I mean, I don't know that I've met anybody who loves people the way that this child loves people, Um, but my youngest is more like me and she's an extreme introvert and so... The whole eye contact thing um, is there's a stark contrast there where my middle child would sit and just stare at me in the eyes, you know, while while I'm doing feedings and stuff. My other child will look at you and look away, you know, and it's just like seeing their personalities kind of bubble out um, and being able to kind of determine between the two. But that doesn't mean I didn't go and ask the pediatrician, you know. (laughs) about every little thing and, and, um, and wanting some answers. Cause you do, you watch every little movement that they make and, um, constantly going through that checklist in your mind. Um, and it can cause a lot of worry. You want your child to be healthy. You want to give them the very best that you possibly can. Um, But as much as we would love to be able to dig those books out and live by them, there really is, there's no handbook, you know, and every child is so different. So like I have heard from moms time and time again, like we have the books, we have the pediatricians, we have the articles and all of those are great But there is one extra tool that we have, um, and that is our our mother's instinct, our gut. And um, it's kind of funny how you were saying you can look back and see the personalities of your kids. And, you know, that didn't ever click for me. And that's kind of totally true with us. My youngest is much more introverted. My older one is a social butterfly. And even seeing that when they're just the teeniest, tiniest things. But I have a kiddo who has ADHD. And while I couldn't have used the proper words in the specific definitions, 
probably around two years old, there started to be something in the back of my head, even though she was my oldest and I didn't have like a comparison per se, that I started making like a little file folder and I would put little observations in it and just say, hmm, well, that was interesting. You know, that could fall in the realm of normal, but that also might be something I need to file and remember. And, you know, that kind of went on for a few years until, you know, she got old enough to a point to where we started to see there were more entries into that file that I was making and then needed to have some assistance at that point. And then come to find out, yes, yeah, she she has ADHD and she processes things a little differently. So I do think that um, there is something about like, the mother's gut and knowing when okay something right now isn't right I'm noticing something you know and kind of making those assertions ha- have you had anything like that where you were kind of like mm, something's not just feeling right to me I think there are things that as moms um you know, we kind of, we can talk ourselves out of because we're like, maybe I'm being overly cautious or underly cautious and, um, or, you know, we're listening to opinions or doing the whole comparison thing. Um, but when it comes down to it, like you are the number one advocate for your child. And if you have questions or concerns, or even that gut feeling that is like something here is off, you are the only one who, who knows your child to the extent that you do, you know, and I hear you talk about this a lot, Emily, especially for, um, for your girls, um, that you, you do have to be that number one advocate. And that may mean, um, you know, pushing for certain things or having those awkward conversations or whatever it is that you need to do, or asking questions, even when you feel like it's going to bother the expert that you're going to. So yeah, I think we're all in that boat in in different ways. And it's okay to, to be the pushy mom, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, definitely, it is true. You are the only one who knows your kiddos inside and out. I mean, like, you're it. And that doesn't mean that you don't listen to the experts and resources that you have in your life. But sometimes they recommend things or they tell you things that are hard to hear. But still, at the end of the day, you know how your kid responds to things. And you care also about their whole person, like their emotions, their mental health, their spiritual health, their physical health, everything. I guess I would want to like say loud and strong, especially to that first time mom who's not sure where those boundaries are with the doctor or another professional um, or also who deals with that voice inside her head that says, oh, they're going to be annoyed by me. I'm going to bother them. This is probably something really silly, but if it is bothering you and you have a question about it, you feel confused about it, whatever it is, ask, like push aside those insecurities and let your mama bear do her job and ask. It does not hurt to ask. And if you can get either peace of mind 
or you could be one step further along your road to finding answers. That's so much better than like sitting at home and trying to self-diagnose or fret about bothering someone and all the other crazy things that we like moms that go through our heads. So even if you think it's silly, seek advice, seek help, find some answers. Yes. And I, I'm typically one of those where if I can go to a doctor or to the person that I, I see as the expert and present my, you know, present my question openly and honestly. Um, and you know, I, um, I'm thankful to have people I can go to that I can trust, you know, and that I can say like, you're an expert for the reason, for this reason, I'm an expert on my child. So let's come together, put our knowledge together and kind of come to a a solution, you know, that fits. And so it's so nice to have, you know, people we can go to and, um, and kind of pick their brains. Okay, Beth, we're talking about this topic and kind of thinking about it. And we have had a partner on the Fort Worth mom side called My Health, My Resources of Tarrant County. And we thought that they would be a great expert to consult on this topic because this is what they do day in and day out, particularly for their early childhood program. So My Health, My Resources of Tarrant County, um, they also have a program called Help Me Grow North Texas. This is one of the resources you can use if you have questions about your kiddos' milestones. Um, you have things that are nagging you or you're worrying about. This is a great resource to contact. Um, they have a very easy, even like online assessment you can take that can kind of be a spot where you could express those concerns and they can. Um, you know, on their end, they can kind of answer some of those, um, like see, you know, just kind of get a good understanding of what your situation is and where, where your kiddo's at. So you were able to sit down uh, with a friend from MHMR, and I'm excited that we get to share some of that conversation with our listeners. Hi, Mom Fashions listeners. We are here today with a special guest. We have Laura Kender. She is the Chief of Early Childhood Services, and she works with My Health, My Resources of Tarrant County. Laura, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So I actually um, am, my background is kind of in the education world with early childhood. I, um, I always say I kind of went the principal route, but ended up wanting to stay with babies and families. And so I work in a facility where I'm able to um, oversee programs that work with families of children under the age of six. So what is it about this specific area that makes you passionate to do the work that you do? You know, I think there's several things that have kind of brought me to this place, but I think overall it's that recognition of we know um, prenatally and during those first three years of life, really up to the age of five, how much growth and development is occurring with our little ones, especially with their little brains. There's just so much occurring and so much development occurring. Um, and we know that it's also for families bringing a little one into 
this world without a guidebook or without people that are there to support you and answer all of your questions, it can be a challenging time as well. So we all, we all recognize that, you know, it's kind of for all of us, um, that first baby or even second baby, because they're all different, right? Um, when we bring them home from the hospital, um, we have questions and we need folks to help us. What kind of things do people call for? What are some common things that you hear that moms are asking questions about? You know, we we, we do get a variety and a lot of it is, um, you know, a little bit more predictable with child age, you know, in terms of what we see. Sometimes with really little ones, when families first get home, um, they're concerned about um, breastfeeding or nutrition, their child's maybe not gaining weight, or their child's um, inconsolable, they can't get them to quit crying, you know, some behavior types of things, it, it feels like that I'm having difficulty attaching to my little one, those might be some things that we see initially. Um, and those are all good things to call us about. Um, we can be helpful with that. So those are good. Every every call is a good call. <laughs> we want every yeah. family to feel like they can call us. And then sometimes we see as little ones get a little bit older, you know, some of those developmental milestones that we would expect to see, you know, the sitting, the walking, the crawling, the walking, the talking. And um, oftentimes we'll hear from families um, a lot of those comparisons of, you know, I'm seeing my child and when we get with our friends and they have a child around the same age, it doesn't look like my child's doing what the other child is doing. And so there's those comparisons or, you know, I have this growth, um, this milestone checklist and I'm going through it and it says my child should be sitting up by now. My child's not sitting up by now. So I'm getting a little bit worried about that. So a lot of times we get those types of calls that I'm kind of, you know, I kind of know what should happen at certain ages and my child's not quite doing that. Um, and then as we get, as our little ones get a little bit older, um, you know, we sometimes will get calls where perhaps a little one is in a childcare center and a parent might start getting reports from their childcare center that maybe their child's not interacting with the other children really well, or um, is having difficulty getting along with the other little ones, or maybe is staying to themselves a little bit. You know, so we'll get some of those calls that are um, maybe more about social emotional development and how our little ones are doing with other, we always say, how are they doing with playing in the sandbox with other children? Um, and, and sometimes those might be calls of concern. I think a lot of times I know that, um... I've seen this happen in mom circles where maybe a mom is concerned about something that she's seeing or not seeing in her child's development, and she will mention it because we all talk to our friends and we, you know, mention things. And, and we also do the whole comparing thing where we're like, well, our kid isn't doing what their kid is doing. Um, but then you you get a lot of feedback as a mom saying, well, kids just grow differently or you know, kind of this idea that maybe we're being overly concerned or overly worried. Um, what is your encouragement to a mom who might be thinking, I really think that there's something, you know, not right, or there's a concern that I have about my child, but maybe she's getting feedback from her community that's saying, oh, he's fine or she's fine. They'll develop at their own time. Um, how would you encourage her? If that's weighing on you and you have those questions about your little one, um, I, I always sell, say, trust your gut. <laughs> you know, if there's, um, if you have concerns and you know your child best and you're with them all the time, 
um, you know, give us a call. I, I don't think there's a, there's never an incorrect call or a call that was not worthy of us spending our time on. Um, we would much rather do that and check everything out and everything's good. And that would offer you some reassurance as well. And if there is something, then you're calling at the right time because the earlier we can get involved. Um, and just as we talked about brain development, you know, I always say, we would rather get a, a little one at two months old than at two years old, you know, just because of the um, capacity for us to make significant change in that development of the brain. Um, and at two years, we're going to still be able to do that. But at two months, we have much stronger chances um, to make an impact in less time um, because the brain's developing so rapidly. So that is something that you had mentioned, just that so much happens between birth and age five. So can you expand on that a little bit more? Why is this time of development so important and how can noticing signs of delay really help if found early? You know, all of our little ones, of course, they're born and their brain is, um, you know, we say that the most rapid growth occurs during that period of time. And the way it grows is because of the interactions that the brain has. That's how our brain, um, you know, the, the child's born with all of these neurons, but they have to connect. And if they're not used, our children lose those. And so what we want to do is make sure we provide really rich experiences while our little, while they're very little, so that those connections that are occurring in the brain are happening. They're the wires are connecting, you know, there's those interactions that are really developing um, those neurons in the brain at that point in time. And that happens through um, enriched experiences and life experiences and play, play is so very important, attachment that little ones have with their families. And so it's those life experiences and those interactions that you bring to your child um, that are actually helping that brain to develop. What are some basic things that you would recommend to a mom who's sitting here thinking, I want to make sure that my child has this enriched environment. I want to make sure that those neurons are making the connections they need to. You know, every interaction with your child is very meaningful for your child. And so we always encourage use those opportunities that are just part of your regular routine during the day. You know, when you get your child out of the bed, how are you um, doing that back and forth babbling with your little one? When you're changing their diapers, you know, what does that interaction look like? When you're feeding, you know, so using all of your daily routines that you're typically doing with your little one, just to be a little bit aware and alert to you know, what am I doing to make this a very interactive process with my child, you know, while we're doing these regular routines. So we always say, talk to your little one, you know, talk as much as you can, allow them to talk back and respond to them. So a lot of that interaction, you know, we want to see that back and forth of every time your child or baby does something to get your attention, make sure you respond to that equally. And you will see that back and forth with your little one. That's what's actually, and you can do that throughout the day in all of your regular routines. Um, and, and so we want families to recognize that even, even just that makes a huge difference. It, it develops your attachment with your little one. Um, it increases that um, back and forth and interaction with your little one. So we just want to encourage that um, you recognize how important those things are within the regular routines that you have. And, and you know, it's certainly not to say, 
um, are you doing enough or are you not doing enough? I think sometimes um, parents just aren't given that information. They don't realize how meaningful that is. I know for me, I would get very overwhelmed um, with my first child feeling like I had to, you know, know all of the nursery rhymes and be teaching her every moment. And finally, it got to the point where I was like, I don't really have all of these tools in my arsenal, but I can just narrate what I'm doing as I'm cooking dinner or, you know, so I'd be like, I'm going to get the pot out and I'm going to put the noodles in the water. And, you know, just to kind of that was my way of being like, okay, I don't really know what to talk to you about because, you know, you're not going to talk back, but I'm just going to speak to you like, you know, I would any other human and we'll go from there. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I love to see that when I'm in grocery stores, <laughs> you know, and I see um, mothers that are narrating what they're doing in the grocery store, you know, even with a small infant. And that's just so important. As we're recording this, our world is currently in kind of an unprecedented situation. Many of our schools, especially in North Texas, but all over the United States, have um, closed down due to the spread of COVID-19. What sort of things or resources can you point parents to who maybe have kids who are typically in school, but maybe have learning delays or special needs that now the parents are trying to meet their needs at home rather than the school being able to come alongside them in that area. There is help for them. And, and I appreciate you bringing this up because I, I know it is a, a difficult time um, for all families. And I know when you're at home with a young one and, um, you know, recognizing concerns that you might have and wondering if people are open or if there's people that you can call to talk to about these concerns. I know those are um, some of the things that we're struggling with, as well as just fear. Yeah, I think there's fear about the unknown. So we welcome those types of phone calls to help me grow North Texas. And we are here. We've actually activated very quickly to be able to provide supports and services to families through a virtual mechanism. Um, so there's not any services that we were providing before that we're not currently able to provide. It's just in a virtual means at this point in time. We're even still doing our groups. Um, and working with big, Be Strong Families on how to even do our parent cafes through a virtual manner. So um, it presents us with challenges, but we're also learning some positive experiences with this as well. So I would encourage don't sit alone um, and hold those thoughts and those questions and those concerns. Reach out to us. We would love to be part of your community um, and be able to support you and connect you to other families that have reached out to us at the same time. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us and just sharing about this incredible resource. I know it's a comfort to me to know that I have a place to turn when I have questions about my child's development or even about our family life and needing some support. Thank you to our sponsors, Help Me Grow North Texas. Its website at helpmegrownorthtexas.org offers child development resources, activities, and links to free screenings. As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.